Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Christian Conduct in the Last Days. When our children were young, my wife taught them two prayers. One was a mealtime prayer. The other was a prayer before going to bed. They are familiar to most of us who are brought up in a Christian, a Christian home. The mealtime prayer went like this. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. And the bedtime prayer said, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. The first prayer gives thanks to, to God as a source of all of our blessings. The second acknowledges the uncertainty of life. I'm sure my children at the time didn't have a clue about the words, if I die before I wake. As adults, we are well aware of the uncertainty of life. In, in fact, I would say that the death statistics of this country are very disturbing. In 2021, the United States experienced the highest death total ever, largely due to COVID-19. 3,465,000 persons are no longer with us. They went on to the other side. Many of you listening to me today have lost loved ones and friends, or you knew someone who has lost loved ones. We have been to many funerals, and our hearts have been saddened by the loss of people whom we loved. Over the July 14th holiday weekend, 220 people were shot and killed. And so the question is, what if that bedtime prayer finally came true for us? What if after years of rising and shining, the sun doesn't come up for you? What if you knew that this would be your final day on earth? What would you do? How would you live? Something like that was on Peter's mind when he said in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, the end of all things is near. The statement certainly includes the day of our death. When that day comes, we will leave behind all that is of this earth, our hopes, our dreams, our plans, our friendships, etc. Those who live beyond us, 
will go on without us, and we will go into eternity to be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No doubt Peter meant at least that much, but his words go beyond that to encompass the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he returns to the earth, the entire earthly order will come to an end. How soon are we to the day of Christ's return? The New Testament tells us that the day of his return is not far away. Paul says in Philippians 4 and verse 5, Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And James in James 5, 8 says, The Lord, Lord's coming is near. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So how soon is soon? Since God does not reckon time the way we do, we know that Christ's coming could be 2,000 years from now, 1,000 years, 500, and even five years from now. But the fact is, the Lord could come at any time. And with the increase of evil that we see every day, knowing what the scripture says that in the last days evil shall wax worse and worse, we know that Christ's coming is not that far away. Indeed, every generation of Christians from the, from the time of our Lord, when he went back to heaven, uh, believed that he was going to come in their, in their day, in their generation. But he's still not here yet. But we, he can come at any time. So Peter is suggesting in, in 1 Peter chapter 4 that if we really believe that Jesus is coming soon, that it ought to make a tremendous difference in the way that we live. And he singles out four things that are important for us living in the last days. Number one, Keep your emotions under control. First Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Now, the Greek word translated sober mind or clear mind describes a state of emotional control so that under pressure, you don't waver or give into anger or fear, or otherwise lose your composure. We live in a world of television, personal computers, emails, text messages, smartphones, which instead of making life easier for us as we thought, places us under extreme pressure. All you have to do is to just go out on the street or go to the mall and see that everybody has a phone and they are looking at it. They are not concerned about what's around them. They are simply looking at their phone and, and uh, even in meetings and sometimes even in church. People are doing that. To survive the, the barrage of information coming at us, some good and some bad, we need to be of sober mind 
so that we can see things in their proper perspective. Why? Peter says, so that you may pray. You see, when you're always running from one thing to another, it is easy to become distracted and controlled totally by your circumstances. So what happens then? Your mind won't stop whizzing and worrying, and you literally can't pray. It isn't easy to persevere in prayer when we are involved in so many things and our minds are going in so many different directions. But the point Peter is making is this. In light of the approaching end of the age, don't panic. Don't give in to fear, but rather pray. And I would suggest we start praying early in the day before the pressures of the day wraps its arm around us. Start the day with prayer, and you are likely to remain cool, calm, and collected all day long. The second thing Peter's have us know is be quick to forgive others. Be quick to forgive others. First Peter 4, 8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Now, the love that Peter is talking about is difficult. It is, it is costly. Once you really get to know another person, real love means that you're going to go to the wall for them if necessary. You're going to be putting yourself in a place where you can certainly be hurt. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, Jesus expects us as his disciples, Christians, living in the 21st century, to love each other, to be kind, to be caring, to be compassionate. It's to, to love is to open yourself up to the possibility of being, of being hurt, which is why Peter says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. You see, there is a reason for this command. Peter says, love covers a multitude of sins. You see, every time someone wrongs me, I have two choices. I can deal with it, forgive it, and move on, or I can drag that person through the mud and in hatred stir up all kinds of trouble. Love covering a multitude of sins means love refuses to wash its dirty laundry in public. While not condoning sin, love handles it privately and goes out of its way to treat sin discreetly when a brother or sister is concerned. It is exactly the opposite of hatred that exposes weakness and humiliates someone. Love deals with sin publicly only as a last resort. Love has a short memory and sealed lips. We need to hear this word because others will fail us a multitude of times. Love isn't surprised when close friends fail. 
Love isn't surprised when promises aren't kept. It isn't surprised when others write unkind letters, send emails or post grievances on Facebook in order to embarrass someone. It isn't surprised when we are criticized unfairly. Fervent love expects to be hurt into and expects to be used unfairly. But it goes on loving in a way. That's the point that Peter's making. That even though all of these things happen, love, the love of Christ which is in us, keeps on loving in spite of all that is going on and all that you're experiencing. My wife and I have been married for 59 years, and we have learned that if a marriage is going to succeed, love will have to cover a multitude of sins. The same is true of the church. No church can survive very long unless the members decide that love will cover a multitude of sins. The same is true of your work. No one can stay at any job for any length of time unless love covers a multitude of sins. This applies to every part of life because sin is everywhere. Love must be willing to forgive one another. Without forgiveness, we will never be able to get along together. Listen to the scriptures on this subject of forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15, Jesus said, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. In Matthew 18, 21 and 22, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, Make allowance for each other's faults. Let me read it again. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiveness is a big part of our job description as believers in Jesus Christ. If you don't understand that, you don't understand what it means to be a child of God, a Christian. We are to cover the sins of others. Number three, stop complaining and start sharing what God has given you. First Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. The word hospitality here is referring to kindness shown, uh, especially to strangers. Because this was the context that Peter was, was using. It was vitally important in the early church, of which Peter was a part, because at that time they did not have any church buildings. In fact, it was not until uh, in the fourth century, after Constantine came to power, that uh, his wife had the first church built. They met in homes, the homes of various believers. And in that day, Christians traveling from one city to another 
would stay in would stay with a local family. They had to because they didn't have a Sheraton or a Hilton or Holiday Inn. The inns that they did have were filthy and dangerous. And so the early Christian church depended on hospitality, just as black people did traveling through the southern United States during the time of segregation. They found another, uh, another person of color to stay with. And if they were Christians, they found a church uh, that would put them in contact with um, a fellow believer. And we see this happening perhaps most clearly today in Eastern European countries with families providing hospitality to Ukrainian refugees fleeing war in their country. They don't know these people from Adam, so to speak, but they take them in and show hospitality because they're fellow human beings. Peter says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Authentic love must show itself in action, in practical ways, and hospitality is one of the options. To be hospitable means to share what God has given to us with others, including our home, our meals, our resources, and our very lives. In Peter's day, those the Bible referred to as pagans remarked about how Christians loved each other and received even an unknown Christian as a brother or sister. While even the poorest would be ready to show hospitality, those with means in any local church would open their doors first. They would exercise this hospitality without grumbling because of the love that they had for their fellow believers. This is not the, the love of emotion that we think about. It's a love that has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And unless you have the Spirit of God in you, you cannot show this kind of love that Peter is talking about here. Because this is in contrast to the spirit of selfishness and human desire to protect what we have and keep it for ourselves. The ministry of hospitality continued to be very important in the early church. For example, the qualifications for a bishop or overseer included the requirement of being hospitable. We found in 1 Timothy 3.2 and Titus 1.8. Most of us don't look at our homes the way the early Christians looked at theirs. They saw their homes not only as a shelter for their families, but also as a tool for ministry, a means of ministering to others in their time of need. Opening your home to close friends is a given. That's assumed. You start there. Peter is talking about using your home to minister to the, to the body of Christ, to brothers and sisters in Christ whom you do not know very well, to missionaries, to families in need, unwed mothers and children needing a place to stay. You know, in smaller communities, that happens all the time, but in a large city, that 
does not happen quite as often because we don't know one another and we don't hear all that is going on. Biblically, your home is given for two reasons. First, as a shelter for your family, and second, as a tool for ministry. It was never meant as a monument to your self-worth, a badge of your status, or a refuge in which to hide from the world. God gave it to you to shelter your family and to minister to others. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. At People's Baptist Church, we take hospitality seriously. We practice it um, on a regular basis because it's a visible and practical expression of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, which we also share for those who are hurting, those who are in difficulty of one kind or another. And here at People's, we do everything we can to meet the needs of our members and anyone who comes to us for help. We respond through the USDA food distribution program, through our food pantry, and through our deacon's fund, that when people have needs, they come to us, and we find a way, praise God, of helping them whenever they come to us. And many of you who are listening to me know that this is a place that you can, you can come to, and you can ask for help, and you will receive help. But thank God also for our sister churches in this great city and organizations like the BMA 10 Point that are meeting the needs of thousands of people during this pandemic. As the end of all things draw near, it becomes increasingly important for us as disciples of Jesus Christ to be kind and generous to those who need help. But lastly, use your God-given gifts to to serve others. 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11. Each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others. So use your gift well. Everything should be done in a way that will bring honor to God because of Jesus Christ, who is glorious and powerful forever. Amen. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. You know, from, from these two scriptures, we learn three things. One, every believer has a spiritual gift. Two, your gift may not be the same as anyone else's. And three, you are to use your gift to serve others. It was not for your benefit. It is for the benefit of others because Christ is concerned about others. He will take care of you and he expects you to take care of others. And um, spiritual gifts are usually um, placed in two, in two groups. Speaking gifts and helping gifts. Speaking gifts include anyone who teaches the word of God, whether publicly or privately, whether to a group or one-on-one, -on -one, whether from the pulpit or in a small group or in a Sunday school class. Peter says if you speak, make sure you speak the very words of God. 
primary temptation of any teacher or preacher, and I know this very well, is to render his or her opinion instead of the word of God. Helping gifts include everything in the church, such as cooking and serving a meal to a bereaved family, cleaning up after a church event, counting the offering, changing diapers in the nursery, visiting the sick and shut-in members, calling a member who is absent from church, writing a note of encouragement, giving money, praying, counseling, ushering, singing, etc. It includes any of the thousand one other things that allows the church to fulfill its God-given mission. Whatever your gift is, use it in the strength which God supplies. No gift is too small to be used by God to bless others. When we stand before the Lord someday, he's going to ask us, what did you do with the gift I gave you? All God requires of us is to take the gift he has given us and in his strength, use it to serve other people. So we ought to ask a few other questions. What have you done with the gift or gifts God has given you? Who have you helped along the way? Is your church better and stronger because you are a member? Are you wasting God's gift or are you using it for his glory? Brothers and sisters, remember Jesus is coming again for his saints and he's coming soon. The word declares it. The church believes it. The Christian expects it. The, the signs of the times indicate it. The Lord promised it. The angels proclaimed it. And the Spirit acknowledges it. Jesus is coming again, and when he does, all of our anxieties will be removed. Our questions will be answered. Our trials will be ended. All of our problems will be solved. All of our tears will be dried. And our souls then will be satisfied. Knowing that our Lord is coming back for us should inspire us to do a little more, to pray a little harder, to give a little deeper, to love a little fuller, to speak a little kinder, and to stay a little closer to the Lord. Yes, he is coming. So get ready and stay ready. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.